Welcome to Engineering Fields of Dreams podcast. We're here to share stories and professional experiences of engineers across disciplines and let you explore the amazing world of engineering. Each episode, you'll hear inspiring stories and advice from engineers, allowing you to learn from their successes and experiences. Whether you're an engineering student, a veteran engineer, or just curious about engineering, we invite you to join us and explore the amazing and ever-changing world of engineering. Welcome to this episode, Leveling Up Communication, with our guest, Jared. Thank you for being here today, Jared. Would you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Jared Green, and I am a principal and vice president of Langan Engineering Environmental Services. I've been there for about a little over 20 years. Uh, first job out of grad school, and I love what I do. <laughs> Wonderful. It's interesting. I'm also at my first job out of grad school and haven't moved on to the second one. <laughs> so why did you choose this career? Sure. It's probably an accurate statement to say that the career chose me. So I didn't know what engineering was until I got to graduate. Actually, until I got to undergrad when I started at college. I was in high school and was thinking about a field where I could use the love of drawing and a love of math and a love of science. And my shop teacher and other people said, you should go into architecture. So I'd applied to some architecture schools. I got into some. And for one school, I did not get into the school for architecture, but I got into the School of Engineering. So this is at Syracuse. And the financial aid package and grants and scholarship was so attractive that I say, you know what? <laughs> Let me try out civil engineering for a semester and then eventually switch over to architecture. But I stayed in civil okay. engineering. And then after I finished at Syracuse, I went to University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and got a master's in geotechnical engineering, which is the study of basically soil, rock, and water. And understanding them is engineering materials for buildings and structures and things of that sort. So after finishing grad school, I, I went to a career fair and learned about Langan Engineering and, and started there. So I, I, you know, I didn't grow up saying I want to be a geotechnical engineer, but that's how I ended up in this career. And I absolutely love what I do. The firm that I work for, and I'm now one of the owners of the firm, is an international land development engineering consulting firm. So core disciplines are traditionally environmental engineering, site civil engineering, and geotechnical engineering. And we get brought on projects before someone has purchased land, after someone has purchased land. And we figure out like the behind the scenes predominantly grounded down, but we do some things with ground up like demolition and hazardous abatement for things that like asbestos mm -hmm. within buildings and things of that sort. But we're the ones that help with the permitting, getting through the regulators, making sure that uh, things are done safely and accurately. And yeah, we design the things. We go out to the field and see the things get constructed. Yeah. And you see these big machines come onto a site to install things that you design and you did the calculations for. It's something that's pretty, pretty powerful and pretty enjoyable. And then you stay on with the project until foundations are completed or civil infrastructure is in or pavement is done for sidewalks, curbs, and driveways, roadways, and things of that sort. Any of completed structure. So you can look at a city and see this, the actual skyline has changed because of the engineering mm -hmm. you were responsible for. Absolutely love that. I don't. I can't say that I chose the career, but I'm here, and fortunately, I've been able to lead several teams, and I've been able to mentor people that are 
interested in engineering on a periphery through to having successful careers in engineering. So absolutely love it. So that's how I got to where I am today. <laughs> and I love it. Wonderful. And how was that transition from being a project engineer to moving into management? Yeah, I would say that I look at it as leadership because you're responsible for a specific aspect of a project. That's what happened when I was in the field. I have to watch 1,500 piles going, pieces of steel going in the ground, and I'm responsible for saying whether or not they've terminated within bedrock. So I'm responsible for that very specific thing. And then you're responsible for a few more things and a few more things and then a few more projects. And then you get to the point where you're responsible for people and their actual career trajectories. So I think that it's something that there's subtle changes over time. And you get to the point where you've gotten promoted and it's almost like you were doing that before, but didn't realize that was an expanded responsibility. So when I look at what's on my plate now in my career for over 20 years, if somebody told me I'd be responsible for the things I'm responsible for today, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, my head would have probably exploded. So it's very subtle. I had many mentors. I had many people that spent time with me showing me what I'm responsible for and how to do things correctly. And I think that over time, you stretch and you stretch to the point where you're taking on more and you have to want to do that. If you're not somebody that wants to spend time investing in people, you say, mm -hmm. I just want to focus in on myself and how am I going to get my next promotion? And how am I going to get my raise? But like, when you get to the point where you're responsible for people, you're now looking at the people in your team and the people you're responsible for and saying, wow, how can I get them to improve on XYZ aspect of their career? Or how can I help someone with this shortcoming that they have? And, and you're spending time investing in the people. Oh, you need to go to this class. Or, oh, you need to stay late and work on this. Or, oh, you need to work shadowing this person. And, and you spend so much time thinking about the people. And then you step back and you say, wow, I'm a leader. <laughs> so I think that for me, it's something that was very subtle. And of course, I, I saw that there were things in, in within myself that I needed to improve. So I've taken classes on project management. I've taken seminars on motivational values. So understanding the motivational values of people on my team. And again, mentorship. I, I talked to, I have a lot of mentors I still rely on today, especially as I move to different aspects of, of my career as an engineering leader in the industry, I say, wow, how can I do better at XYZ? So I find that understanding what your shortcomings are and being honest with them and being vulnerable, that has helped me to be a more successful leader from what I understand from feedback from others, especially people that are on my teams. For sure. And I love that you talked about leadership because I think some people think about moving into management just in terms of title, but really every day you have the opportunity to exhibit leadership skills in doing your tasks. Yep. And um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're at a certain level or something. So you have that opportunity. So I really love that about your answer. So thank you for sharing that. Sure um, what's one thing that you know now that you wish you knew before graduation? Hmm. I think that when I was in school, there was a big focus on answering questions, right? Solving hmm. problems. You have homeworks, you have group assignments, you have deliverables. It's a lot on actual like the engineering. But I think one of the surprises for me was just how important communication is as an engineering professor. So I'm a professional. So I'm an engineering consultant. So I don't hammer things. I don't screw things in the ground. I don't mix bags of cement. I don't do any of that. I'm responsible for really listening to someone's challenges, trying to figure out what the given information is, gathering more information that you can't see, the stuff that's happening below ground, and then analyzing and then actually solving problems. 
So oftentimes you can design something that's great, but you then have to articulate that to whoever it is you're working with mm -hmm. or working for, or the contractors that will ultimately install what it is your suggestion should go on the ground. So there's a lot of communication written, verbal, and nonverbal <laughs> when you go into a meeting and there's 15 people around, around the, the table and trying to explain and people may have different educational backgrounds, people may have different cultural backgrounds, people may have different lived experiences, and people may have different levels of experience within with, within the industry. Mm -hmm. You could be working for someone that has a totally different background that's responsible for everything that has no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to articulate yourself in a way that they understand what it is you're trying to suggest so that they can make an informed decision of where their money's gone or what solution we're going to choose, now all of a sudden you get to your next project they're, they're going to trust you and they're going to say, you know what, I'm working with you because I understand what you're talking about. So I think that the communication is so important. And I think we're at the point now where universities are are, are pressing on how important that is. Yes, Whereas that's the course I teach. Oh, there you go. Good. Somebody's focusing <laughs> on this because I, I think that we focus a lot on the engineering and you start working yourself. Oh my goodness. I'm in the field for three years or whatever it is. And it's, I have to know what is the best way to communicate with others. And that's something that it takes the flexing of different muscles. Mm -hmm. uh, there's definitely a practice to this. There's a finesse to this. And there's a science to this. When you start talking mm -hmm. about technical writing, there's definitely a science to this. And there's a finesse to it as well. And I think mm -hmm. that as you spend more time in the industry, you will understand the best ways to present oneself. And people say, oh, I'm not a good public speaker. or I don't like public speaking. So I'm not going to be at the on the dais or on a panel or at a podium. But it's we're doing public speaking every day. Mm-hmm. When you're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation at work or in the office or you know, even at home, you're, that's public speaking. So yeah. I think that when we take out some of the fear and the, all the scary stuff in public speaking, we say, all right, this is what I have. I have a message that's important to the end user, and I have to be able to explain this in a way that they can make an informed decision. And I'm going to do that so it's concise, it's to the point, and it's accurate and easily to be understood so that they can explain it to someone else. That's communication and, and mm -hmm. making sure that we're taking time to improve on that, even if it's something that's intimidating for us. I think that's something that's important. And I think that's something I really wish that I knew ahead of time. And I try to share that with, with young folks, especially people that are in school. And they say, what's something else I can do while I'm in school? And I'm like, since you're paying all that tuition, take a class in the communications department or, or yeah. audit a class in the communications department, just yeah. so you can understand some of the things that you should be focusing on in addition to the hardcore science, technology, engineering, art, mathematics. For sure. And I love that you also brought up nonverbal communication because I think sometimes, especially engineers might focus like on the literal. Yeah. Like my message was right, but um, they might be a little bit oblivious to like reading the room. Like that example, you talked about walking into a room with 15 people. And mm -hmm. if, if you're not paying attention to how people are reacting to you, like giving your presentation and just go with your script, you know, that isn't going to be effective. So true. So true. And, and and the reality is that if you're not effective, you're wasting not just your time, but everyone else's time that's there. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Can you recall a challenging professional situation and what did you learn from it? Challenging professional situation. I think that, so again, as a geotech, we, we spend a lot of time designing things, but then we spend a lot of time in the field watching these designs get realized. And when I think of challenge, I, I could think of, I'm thinking of a project in particular where we had a design that was designed by somebody else, which doesn't matter, but it's designed by somebody else. And I was responsible for seeing it get implemented and things didn't go according to plan. And we had to react in real time to address the situation. 
And I think that was, for me, it was interesting because I got to employ some things that I heard about in graduate school from mm -hmm. case histories, because a lot of what we do as geotechnical engineers, we're dealing with soil, which is a particulate matter, right? You think about mm -hmm. soil, you can grab it, you put it in your hand and you can roll it and you, you can wet it and it does different things in this way. How are we going to build on this? When you start excavating several feet into the ground and you change the state of stress for soil, things can happen. Mm -hmm. So we had to basically employ some of the things I learned in school regarding the observational method, which a famous geotechnical professor came up with, where you basically let the ground tell you what it wants to do. If you're installing a certain thing in the ground and the ground doesn't like that, it's going to tell you. So install something else instead. So we put more monitors throughout the site to see how the ground was responding to what we were doing to it. And then we also had contingency plans for it if things didn't go according to plan, what we're going to do. And so short story, spoiler alert, everything ended up being fine, which was great. But as an engineer, I learned a lot about what to do when things don't go according to plans. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think having contingency plans is really important. Always to have a plan B to be prepared. And that goes for like being in the engineering field or even like giving a client presentation, right. uh, having a backup plan, like your PowerPoint files corrupted, <laughs> give the presentation without it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember a time I was in grad school, I was just doing a research presentation at a conference. And for whatever reason, I guess I just didn't know back then. This was almost 25 years ago or whatever. And I saved the file to my, I think it was a flash drive at that point. It was this flash drive, a jazz drive or something, one of those yeah. floppies or something. And I didn't save the actual images. So when I get, went to give the presentation, it was just this big red X. And I remember seeing that red X. And I always wanted to cry. Yeah. And I was like, I'll go to the next slide. And the whole presentation was these pictures that didn't show up. So I used that time to really explain what was in the pictures and what I was trying to articulate. And it ended up being a fantastic presentation. I just shut the screen off. We're going to talk through it because people saw, wow, this guy's subject matter expert. He understands what he's talking about. But that was scary. I didn't think that my slides would not be there. So now you're right. I, I think about what if the slide deck doesn't work? Can I present without it? Yeah. That's what. That's the position you want to be in. Yes, sometimes exactly. we lean on it as a crutch and we just read what's on the slides. So yeah. I take bullets off my slides and just have a picture and talk to that. Yeah. It, Me too. It helps a lot. Yes, it does. <laughs> Yeah. Story time is great when you're like in preschool and kindergarten, but I think as adults, they're like, <laughs> I can read, tell me what the added value is. That's why you're there. That's why they brought you in. Exactly. Otherwise I could just email you the slide deck and uh, there it is. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in closing, what advice would you impart to someone just starting their career? I would say definitely remain curious. You really, and this is regardless of what kind of career you're in, remain curious. Look at people that are ahead of you, ask them questions about how they got to where they are. I like to, to, you know, ask the question of what a superstar would look like at this company or at this university or at this organization. And what would someone look like that's not going far, right? Ask the two ends of the spectrum and then make sure that you land somewhere in between, closer towards a superstar, of course. Yeah. And I think that when I say remain curious, somebody gives you a task, you focus on that task, you take care of that task. But when you get time, Ask some questions about the bigger picture of that task. How does that task that you did, how does that apply to the bigger picture? And as you start mm -hmm. to ask questions like that, it'll help you to have more of an appreciation of where you fit in within the organization and how you can move forward and help others within the organization. So that's what I would give as feedback and as, as advice. That's great advice. And this whole conversation has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All the best. 
We'd like to thank today's guests for sharing their professional experience and career advice. We appreciate their insight and taking the time to share them with our audience. To you, the listener, thank you for joining us on this journey and exploring the ever-evolving world of engineering. We hope we've inspired you to pursue your dreams and ambitions. Let us know if there are topics or fields you'd like to hear more about. Until next time, we wish you the best of luck on your engineering journey.